Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, I'm joined by Karen Rohr, the head of customer success and sales strategy at Atrium HQ. She comes out of sales and is now responsible for operations, metrics, and analytics for both customer success and sales. This puts her in the perfect position to discuss KPIs for customer success, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So Karen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kristen. It's great to be here. I kind of tipped my hand on the first question and told everyone that you came out of sales, but could you provide us with a little more detail on your career path and talk about how you landed in customer success? Absolutely. So I started my career in consulting and private equity, but my background for the most recent five or six years has primarily been in sales operations. So I set up the sales operations organization at Double Dutch, the event marketing software company that was recently acquired by Cvent. And from mm-hmm. there, went over to LinkedIn after their acquisition of lynda.com. So post the acquisition, I helped set up some new sales ops structures and processes and aided with the integration, and then went on to manage sales operations for North America and EMEA for LinkedIn Learning. Okay. Yeah, so I was in that role when Pete Kazanji, who's one of the co-founders of Atrium, reached out to me and said, hey, I'm working on a new company. We really want somebody to stand up the customer success organization. And the product is a very sales opsy kind of a product because Atrium is sales analytics software. Mm-hmm. And so he thought it was important that the person working closely with our customers be somebody who was a subject matter expert in sales operations. And so that's how I ended up here. That's great. It would also be really helpful to understand a little bit more about Atrium HQ. Can you share with the audience a little more about the company's mission and maybe also how the customer success team is set up? Sure. Uh, So Atrium is performance intelligence software for sales teams. So what our software does is it pulls in data from the CRM, the email and calendar provider, and uses that to deliver information back to salespeople and sales leadership on their metrics and KPIs um, and give them general info about kind of how their sales teams are performing. And so in the customer success organization here, um, we actually all have some level of sales and sales ops backgrounds. And we handle everything after the initial point of sale. So we handle onboarding and implementation, customer success and support kind of traditionally, and all of the account management renewal upsell conversations. Okay, great. That that just helps kind of set the stage for some of what we're going to be talking about today. So today we're going to be talking about KPIs, specifically those KPIs that are important for customer success teams. Um, but before we 
dive in. I know we have a pretty wide audience for this podcast, and I want to make sure we aren't assuming that everyone knows what you and I are talking about. So um, can you tell us what KPI stands for and what it is and, and why you need to think about those? Sure. KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. And as the person who's running sales operations, customer success operations, or customer success, what you're trying to identify is what are the key indicators of performance, right? What are the metrics that are really going to drive outcomes for your business? And so it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, the instrument panel on a car, right? You have some metrics that you track all the time, like speed and RPMs, and you have some metrics that are really more the indicator light coming on kind of metrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I think that's a great that's a great explanation. And plus, I love cars, so I'm glad you used that analogy. Um, I, I think um, you know KPIs are really important too from a leadership standpoint because those are the things that you need to be able to talk to your board of directors about and your leadership team about. And those are the things that those folks are always going to want to be looking at. And so, uh, you know, as you're as you're thinking about KPIs, it's an indicator of performance for you, the CSM, and for you, the CS leader, for you to better manage your team. But also, um, it's important to think about those as upward-facing metrics as well, so that the leaders in the company can think about how customer success fits into the rest of the organization and how to make good decisions to guide the company based on what you are uncovering. I don't know if, if you look at it that way as well, but that's kind of how we look at KPIs at the Success League. Yeah, Absolutely. Having a good grasp of what KPIs are important for you and what it means that you should do if they're above where you think they, where you expected them to be, or maybe they're trailing where you thought they should be, um, is really important in managing your business. And then being able to talk about that in a way to the CEO and the board that really communicates, hey, I understand what's happening. I understand why it's happening. And therefore, here's what I'm going to do about it is going to give them a lot of confidence and you as a CS leader. Yeah, absolutely. So when we were talking before today's interview, you mentioned that you think differently about the KPIs for CS teams that own a revenue number versus those that don't. Um, What are specific KPIs that you think leaders of revenue owning teams need to pay attention to? So the most important outcome that revenue generating CS teams are looking at is net dollar retention rate. So of the entire set of dollars up for renewal, how much did you actually close? And that includes mm-hmm. a kind of subcomponents like how many how many dollars churned, what were upsells and downsells at the time of renewal, where did you have kind of off-cycle expansions where a customer not up for renewal yet was buying additional seats. And the reason that outcome is so important is We've seen a lot of SaaS IPOs recently, and what we've been seeing in those is that successful SaaS IPOs, those companies all have a net dollar retention rate greater than 100% and frequently greater than 110 or even 120%. So that Mm -hmm. those companies would continue growing even if they stopped all new sales because their customers are happy, they're renewing, and they're buying more. Right. What are some of the other KPIs that you think revenue producing teams should be looking at? So that's an outcome, right? So the other things that those teams should be looking at are what is going to drive that outcome? 
um, which is going to overlap a lot with the KPIs for non-revenue generating groups. So you okay. need to know if you're setting yourself up well in terms of customer engagement, in terms of customer overall happiness, um, those kind of metrics, which I think you're going to ask me about. So I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but okay. <laughs> that's okay. So one thing that I've noticed when you're looking at net retention or net recurring revenue um, from the existing customer base is that uh, if that's all you're looking at, it can hide hide some sins. It can hide a churn rate that's maybe above industry average. Um, it can hide um, sales that aren't going as well as you would like to the existing customer base. How important is it to also look at the subcategories of things that go into the net renewal number? It's definitely important to understand kind of the components that I that I mentioned, which are churn. So or if you think about logo retention rate, mm-hmm. how much are you losing to customers exiting the business as customers, right? If that number is really high, then that's something to be concerned about. You know, maybe you aren't targeting the right ideal customer profile up front, and that's something that you need to align as an organization about. Or maybe there's something bifurcating your customers where if you have a net dollar retention rate that's high, some of your existing customers are upselling quite a bit. But mm-hmm. if you're masking a churn problem, then you need to figure out what's different about those kinds of customers so that you can learn from it and reduce that churn number. Also probably focus in on what your ideal customer profile actually is. Um, the other pieces of that, as I mentioned, are upsells and downsells at the time of renewal and then expansions. And for organizations selling mo- multiple products, even breaking out that expansion number into did they add seats of an existing product or were we able to cross sell new products? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's net retention plus all the stuff that goes into net retention then. Exactly. And you need to be looking at those things individually. Understanding that waterfall is really important. How do you build up to it from the starting point of this is what they booked last year to the end point of this is what they booked this year? Perfect. So let's talk about non-revenue generating groups. What do you think the KPIs should be for those groups? And why why do you think that those groups should have KPIs? I've had people argue with me that um, because those groups don't generate revenue, having KPIs is less critical. Uh, so I disagree with that perspective. It's important, so do I. <laughs> it's important to have KPIs um, because there are still outcomes that you are driving towards as a business, and you need to know if you are setting yourself up to reach those outcomes. And certainly for the business as a whole, even if the customer success team doesn't own revenue because there's a sales or an account management team that does, the things that the customer success managers are doing are heavily influencing those renewal and upsell outcomes. Otherwise, why do you have a customer success team, right? Right. And so understanding what are the metrics that we want to be looking at to say, are we doing the right things in order to drive the outcomes that are important to us as a business is really important whether or not the person you're looking at or the organization you're looking at is the revenue owner. Yeah, I agree. And I think even if your CS team doesn't, quote unquote, own revenue, they still have a huge 
amount of influence on revenue. And so it's still very important to be measuring performance across, frankly, any team in a company, I believe. Yeah. So what are some of the specific KPIs that might be relevant for a customer success group that isn't responsible for revenue? What's on your list? So the first is some kind of engagement metric. So how often are the users engaging with the product? And then second, how often are they engaging with the customer success manager? Um, Mm -hmm. And what you would expect will be different according to what your product is, what your customer success model is. But if you think that in order to be successful, your customers should be engaging with the CSM at least once a quarter, then that's something that you should measure and see whether that's happening or not. Uh, The second group of metrics is happiness metrics. So those are things like NPS or customer satisfaction scores. How do your customers feel about your company and your product? Uh, And then the last group is a lot of customer success organizations that don't own revenue own implementation or onboarding. And so I see a lot of those organizations that have some kind of time to value or milestone metrics that they're Mm -hmm. being measured against to make sure that customers in that first 30, 60, 90 days are getting up and running and being set up to be successful. Yeah, I think one of the things that you just mentioned that really stands out to me is that these are different for every company and every product and every customer base. And I I think one thing that I get a lot of questions about is, you know, is there a benchmark or an industry standard for the things that we should be measuring? And while the organized person in me wants to say, yes, there should be that, the realistic person inside of me is like, I don't think so. What do you think? Do you think there's kind of a standard or do you think it varies, really does vary from company to company? I think it varies a lot from company to company. I think if you want to set a standard, then you need to be careful who you're benchmarking against, right? Yeah. So if you have really clear competitors and anything about their engagement metrics or happiness metrics are public, then that's probably a pretty good benchmark to try and improve on. Um, but you want to make sure you're measuring apples to apples, right? You want to make sure you're measuring yourself against an organization where the expected interaction with the customer success organization is similar to yours, where the complexity of the product is similar to yours, where how often you want a user to log in in order to get value out of the product is similar to yours. And so that's where I think you have to be careful about who are you using as your benchmarks. Yeah. And I think it's sometimes really tough to get that data too, right? (laughs) Who, Who wants to be out there talking about their churn rate? Absolutely. It's usually really tough to get that data. Yeah. Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. I want to let you know about a special live podcast coming up. Strike Deck Radio and Helping Cells Radio are teaming up for one night only, September 26th, at the Service Rocket office in Palo Alto, California. Bill Couchard, the host of Helping Cells Radio, and I will be talking about our favorite episodes, sharing things we have learned about customer success from our guests, and answering your questions about our podcasts. Join us for this live podcast on September 26th at 5.30 p.m. in Palo Alto. For more information, check the link in this podcast description or go to meetup.com and search for 2019 September Palo Alto CS Meetup. 
We hope you'll join us. The Success League offers a research-based certification program for CSMs. This 16-class series is based on a study we conducted on the various fields that CSMs are coming from and the skills and strengths they are bringing to the table. Our comprehensive certification course helps CSMs build knowledge in new areas and enhances the background they already have. Our online classes are instructor-led by seasoned customer success leaders and include tools and exercises that CSMs and managers can use to extend learning beyond the class. Our program is designed to drive knowledge retention, meaningful change, and real results. For more information and our fall schedule, please visit thesuccessleak.io. And now back to the podcast. So Karen, you mentioned engagement metrics and that those are different for every company. What are the common engagement metrics that you've seen and what does Atrium HQ use? So I think the most common is login data, in part because that's easy to get, right? Your daily active users or your monthly active users, again, depending on how often people should be logging in in order to get value out of your product. With a lot of B2B organizations that sell per seat, really matching that data against seat utilization to understand what percent of your customers are monthly active users or weekly active users is really important to understand, hey, that can be a a yellow flag if an organization is not using most of their seats, that there's a risk Mm -hmm. of downsell or a risk of churn at that organization. So that's one that I see a lot is is login data and seat utilization. Um, Mm -hmm. I also sometimes see specific feature adoption So if there is a particular part of the product, especially for organizations that are more sophisticated in their user personas, and they know that this type of user gets disproportionate value from this feature in our product, are we guiding them towards that feature? Are they adopting that feature? One other thing related to engagement, so those metrics are about engagement with the product. We also measure engagement with the customer success team. So here at Atrium, our product engagement metrics that we're looking at are weekly active users and how that corresponds to seat utilization. And we do look at the specific feature adoption of a couple of our features, but we also track whether customers have had a meeting with their CSM in the last quarter, because that's the customer success team's engagement with the customer that we expect to see. And so Mm -hmm. those customer meetings are another piece that we measure to make sure that we're staying in contact with our customers. Got it. Let's talk about NPS. What are your thoughts on that metric and when do you think it should be used? And when don't you think it should be used? And if you're not using that, what are some alternatives? Yeah, so this is kind of the second category of things I mentioned earlier, or the happiness metrics. And I think NPS is a really helpful metric to have at hand because it's one that you're going to get asked for. It's one that people across many different sort of disciplines and types of companies understand. It's something people get. Um, The limitations of NPS. So uh, this is a brief aside because Fred (laughs) Wright, who developed the Net Promoter Score system, was a partner at Bain & Company. Um, He did a bunch of the research sort of in 
2003, and he published a book on it called The Ultimate Question in 2006 when I was at Bain. Uh Um, So the limitations of NPS are that this is a metric that was designed for mature industries where there are multiple competitors and switching costs are low. Right. Um, So if you go read The Ultimate Question, this is... It's a good book. I recommend it. Um, This is a metric that's really relevant for things like airlines or retail companies or restaurants. The predictive power of it gets a little bit less when you're talking about a B2B organization where maybe there aren't a lot of competitors or switching costs are higher or in new industries. So the new industry thing is something you run into a lot of the time with startups. And then the other thing you run into with NPS is just a sample size problem, yes. right? If you have a small number of users and then, you know, 20 or 25% of them respond to your NPS survey, which is, you know, would be a good response rate. You're looking at a relatively small number of data points. And so I, I wouldn't want to over index on a metric that can move by a lot if, two answers change, right? Right. Yeah, I think to me, that is the biggest flaw that I see in practice working with our clients is there's a lot of people who, you know, I mean, boards of directors and and investors totally understand NPS. And that's the one that they cling to because it's, it's easy to understand where it comes from and, and exactly what it means. And there's numbers associated with it. And it's fantastic because it's one question. So there's a lot of good things that make investors really like it and boards really like it. But the flaw is if you try to apply that in a small company or an earlier stage company, your your numbers are going to be way off and they could be way off from quarter to quarter. You know, And so um, I've had customers who are setting goals on you know, NPS for a customer base of 100 people. And that's just not going to work. It's going to give you numbers that don't really mean much. And so I get frustrated with NPS. Yeah. And I also, you know, saying that it has limitations doesn't mean I toss it out, right? We still measure it here. Sure. Um, Because it's a good, easy thing to get at least a pulse check on, right? Yeah. And there are specific people that you know are NPS detractors being able to reach out to them and say, hey, what can we be doing better, right? We've gotten some really great product feedback that way. Yeah. And so there are definite upsides as well. Um, I just think keeping the limitations in mind is is important, particularly for startups. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think the other thing that happens a lot, and I don't know if you hear this too, but I hear NPS thrown around, not to mean the actual NPS way of measuring satisfaction, but to mean customer satisfaction in general. And it it isn't that. Um, customer satisfaction is a much broader set of ways to measure customer happiness or delight or whatever you want to call it. Um, what are some of the alternatives to NPS? Well, one alternative, um, Superhuman, the email provider, has a first-round review article where they talked about asking their users, how would you feel if you could no longer use this product? Mm -hmm. And giving them three options. I would be very disappointed if I could no longer use the product. I would be somewhat disappointed or I would not be disappointed. And then they measured the person who answered very disappointed. And they found that to be really predictive for their business. That's interesting. Asking the question of, if this went away, like, would you be sad? 
basically. Yeah, I've heard a few people mention that. I, I think that's an interesting one to try. I think there's any number of survey approaches that you could take both inside the product and outside the product. Um, I like personally measuring satisfaction at different touch points in the customer journey, because I think that gives you really good information about how your touch points are working and whether or not they're resonating with clients. I don't know if you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we do particularly right after onboarding yeah. is when we we like to check in. Um, we also, for those who are using NPS as a customer health metric or as a component of a customer health metric, obviously now there are software solutions that can provide much more detailed customer health scores. Mm-hmm. But for folks who are maybe a little bit early for that. One thing when I was at Double Dutch that we found to be really predictive was just letting the customer success manager give their subjective green, yellow, red of the customer. What we found is that most of the time the CSMs knew which customers were very happy and which customers were yellow and needed some extra love and which ones were red and likely to churn. Uh Uh, So instituting that sort of as soon as possible can be really helpful just to keep an overall pulse on what do the people who are most often interacting with the customers think about how happy they are. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, Okay. So let's say we've got all of these KPIs in place and now we're measuring a bunch of stuff and we need to keep track of all of the data somewhere. What is the best way to track all of these metrics? What have you done and what have you noticed other people doing in the field? Yeah. So for any of the revenue related metrics, uh, Salesforce or whatever CRM that you use really should be the source of truth for those. So that CRM always tells you the truth about how much you're you're booking. Um, what we do right now, because we're still very early, um, is we use a combination of Salesforce and Google Sheets, right? We have G Connector set up so the Salesforce data can port directly into a Google Sheet. And we have some additional data coming in from Amplitude Analytics, which is what we use to track product engagement. Um, and so we're, we're still compiling in Google Sheets. It's one of those things that for an early stage company with a small number of, of CSMs is working fine for right now. Obviously, as we move up the maturity curve, that's when we'll look at more customer success analytics software, um, which we also supplement with our own software as well. Uh, it's geared a little bit more towards individuals who own revenue, but it pulls in some of those touch points around how often are CSMs meeting with customers and things like that, that are, that are really relevant. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, we work with a lot of earlier stage companies and I see Google sheets all the time, all over the place. I think there comes a point and and you'll know when that point is um, where the Google sheets become super painful and you need to migrate to something different. And it's when you find yourself duplicating a lot of the stuff that lives in other systems into a spreadsheet and creating all these massive workarounds for getting stuff into the spreadsheet. That's when you know the spreadsheet's got to go and you've got to get all this stuff into some other tool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, we're, we are still a small team. Yeah. Atrium is a 20 person organization. And so yeah. reflective of the level, you know, that we're at as a company, um, yeah. definitely 
Google Sheets breaks pretty quickly and we will, um, we will advance our, uh, our approach in terms of tooling as that becomes the right answer for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with using spreadsheets initially <laughs> at all. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's a good, inexpensive way to do things when you're early stage and you need to get your arms around your customers. And that's more important than how you track stuff. And um, the tracking can always come later. But yeah, it's, um, you know, for those of you out there that are listening to this, if you're finding that the spreadsheets have gotten really painful and you're doing a lot of workarounds to create the spreadsheets that you want, that's the point at which you need to look at a CS platform because that's what they're designed for. Or use your use your CRM in a more robust way. Um, there's a lot of tools out there. So if somebody is listening who isn't using KPIs right now, or maybe they just moved into a new leadership role and they need to get their metrics in order, what what would you recommend that they do to get started? So I think start with results, right? What are the outcomes that you want to chase? What are what's really important? Is it revenue? Is it an engagement score? Is it a you know customer happiness type metric? What are the results that you're after? And then kind of work backwards to say, okay, what are the things that are going to drive those results? Uh, in sales, a lot of times I'll talk about it as effort metrics and efficiency metrics, right? So are we sending emails to our customers? Are we having meetings with our customers? Are we making sure that we're having some touch point with each of the accounts in our book? Um, and then the efficiency metrics are the things like, what is my attach rate, right? If I am doing those kind of off-cycle add-ons and cross-sells and things like that, um, that are, are how effective am I being in those activities? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, again, those are, are a little bit better defined for revenue generating CS orgs in terms of what effort and efficiency metrics drive sales outcomes. But even for whether it's NPS or whether it's product engagement, right? If you have a hypothesis as to, hey, what behaviors are going to drive those outcomes on our part, start measuring it to see if that's true, right? And that's in the early days kind of why mm-hmm. you use your CRM and Google Sheets is so that you yeah. can test some things, say which ones are really important in driving outcomes, and then when you graduate to tooling, you know which things you really want to make sure that tooling can measure and can show you. Yeah, absolutely. I think early stages when you can do a lot of the measuring that helps you dial in your health score and dial in your KPIs as you get bigger. So, yeah. Last question. This is something we ask all of our guests and it gives you a chance to kind of off-road. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? So my answer on this is coming from the perspective of having spent a lot of my career in sales ops. But I think the biggest trend right now is the rise of revenue operations supporting end-to-end marketing sales and customer success. 
I think that we are starting to see these KPIs become a lot more visible and a lot more important because there are now operations teams who are focused on measuring, hey, what's really driving performance here? Are we doing the right quantity and the right quality of activities to hit the outcomes that we want? And so I think the rise of revenue operations and therefore kind of customer success operations so that the CS leader has that kind of operational analytical partner is the biggest trend right now. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. Um, thank you for bringing that up. I think that we started to see a couple years ago um, the combined teams of sales and customer success, but I love the idea that marketing could be a part of that too. Um, that's really interesting. Yeah, I think having revenue operations as a function where your entire sort of go-to-market apparatus is aligned around what's important and what's driving outcomes is really valuable to say. So it's not marketing pointing the finger at sales for not responding to SLAs and sales pointing the finger at marketing for not generating enough leads. And, you know, you don't have all of that going on because there's one organization saying, hey, here's what's going on with all of our lead flows. Not that revenue Mm -hmm. operations gets rid of that entirely, but having each part of the go-to-market organization have that that operational and that analytical support, I think is really important so that there's a an honest broker, if you will, um, making sure that everybody's yeah. aligned. <laughs> I love it. Anything that, that drives better alignment is good, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Um, this was a fun conversation and I'm glad to ha- have covered this topic with somebody who's really in the middle of KPIs. You have a great perspective on this, um, having come from the background that you've come from and in the role that you're in right now. So I really appreciate you sharing your time and your thoughts with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.